Thank you, Emily, and I encourage you to talk to her if you have any questions. Um, really a great opportunity, and I believe that uh, missions like this is going to be more common, medical missions, uh, other types of trades. Uh, you're going to see that more often than the traditional, what we think of traditional missions, and so this is a great opportunity for them to impact um, the people in Kenya, but also it's, it is, as she says, it's life-changing for those that go. Uh, and uh, if you have not um, given and would like to give to her trip, um, obviously you can do that to her directly or you could give to the church and we'll make sure that she gets it as well. Um, if you will, take your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 6. We uh, have a lot going on tonight, uh, and I didn't know how long um, I would have to actually speak with the children singing, um, and I knew they had a few songs, and with Emily's presentation, and then at the end we have our quarterly report and uh, a vote on the bathroom, so I didn't want to uh, prepare my, the series we've been doing on the end times, I didn't want to prepare that and then, and then have not enough time, and so I decided to just do something a little different um, than what we've been doing, and so if you will look in Galatians chapter 6, um, and we're going to be looking at verse, verse 1 here in a moment. Probably if you have a car at some point, at some time, you've had a check engine light come on. It's one of the most annoying things about owning a car, isn't it? When that light comes on, it just, uh-oh, what's going on here? Um, my wife, she drives our car, it's a, a Chrysler Sebring uh, 2008, good car, it's been great for us, uh, we've had it, um, we got it when it was two years old, so it's been great, we really haven't had any major problems with it, but we have a couple check engine lights that come on all the time. We have one that comes on first time the wet weather gets cold in the fall to tell us our tire pressure is low. I appreciate that one, you know, we fill up the tires, we're good to go, the light goes off and we don't usually see it again. The other one we have comes on, and I didn't know what it was for a long time. It's just this little thing. Finally, I looked it up, and you took it, and, and it says that it gives you a couple options. It says maybe, possibly, that your gas cap isn't on right. So you go and you take your gas cap on, put it on right, and it still is there. So finally, I had the car into the dealer. You know, this was about a year or so ago, and I said, "I'm having this problem with this light." And he goes, "Okay, we'll check it out." And you know, they put it in their machine, and and they come back, and he says, "He says, yeah, your gas cap is not on right." I said, "My gas cap is on right." So I don't know what the problem is, but every time we take uh, take it in, they tell us the same thing, and and every time that. Uh, and, and it doesn't always happen. Sometimes we'll get gas and we'll put the cap back on and it's fine and we don't see the light. And then the next time there's the light and it's just, it's, it's annoying. You know, and maybe you have the same, the same problem and it stays on in your car. I know, I know someone who got so tired of their check engine lights that they took a piece of black tape and put it over top of the light because they didn't want to see it. <laughs> I don't think that's the point. Uh, it's denying the problem actually exists. Tonight, we're going to look at our quarterly reports, and, and when we do a quarterly report or an annual report, the idea of that is it's, a, it's accountability for us as a church to you as a congregation, as, as staff and as leaders. Here's, it's a little bit of accountability, so you can look through and see, are we actually doing what we're supposed to be doing financially where we're at? It's kind of a checkup a little bit. You know, sometimes in life, we go through periods of time where our check engine light is on. 
And as a church, we, uh, that's why we do a reports. We can say, how are we doing? What I ask you is, as an individual, how are you doing? Now, Sometimes, as I said, there might be a period of time where you're going along fine in your life, and then all of a sudden that check engine light pops on. And it's just a reminder that says, maybe something's not right. Maybe for you, it's, you know, your marriage is, is not where it should be, and you don't know why. Maybe your family is constantly at each other's throats and there's a problem. Maybe you can't overcome that impulsive behavior that keeps creeping in. Maybe it seems you can't get out of debt. I don't know what it is, but there's something wrong. The check engine light of life is on. And you just can't diagnose it exactly. So what do we need to do? Galatians chapter 6, look at verse 1. It says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. This passage is interesting because uh, we oftentimes will look at this passage, and I, I've heard messages on this passage, and we kind of take out portions of it and, and don't really look at the whole picture of what he's saying here. But he's saying there, brothers, if you are caught, if anyone is caught in a transgression, the word caught there actually means overtaken by surprise. It's the word that the idea of it is trapped by something, or caught in something, or ensnared by something. We as believers, it's our responsibility. I talked about this morning how we're to be lights, but inside of our community of the church, we're also supposed to be people who are looking out for, our, our, for each other and seeing where maybe others have been caught into a snare. And it tells us in this passage we're supposed to do that. I think a clearer way that that verse could be is this. If, if a fellow brother or sister is trapped or overcome by sin, you who live by the Spirit, should restore him or her gently. It is a responsibility. You know, sin can quickly ensnare us. No matter uh, who we are, it can ensnare us. And and we can become quickly uh, burdened by sin. And a lot of times, we are self-reliant, aren't we? And we're self-reliant. We think we can deal with it on our own, but we can't. We can't always deal with it on our own. You know, there is an observation I like to make about sin, is that is, uh, you should not always trust yourself when diagnosing a problem. Let me give you what I mean by this, okay? Um, if my wife goes to certain stores, she likes to buy um, things for our house. Um, she loves Pier 1, for example. She buy anything there, okay? But uh, she doesn't, by the way, um, thankfully. Uh, but if she goes there, sometimes she'll find something, and I'll come home from work, and she'll be like, I bought something today. And if it's something that sits on the counter, great. If it's something that sits on a table, great. If it's something that has to hang on the wall, I go, oh boy. Okay, how it, what's it look like? And we'll, we'll get it. And how it works in our house is so I take the item, let's say it's, a, it's some sort of wall hanging, and I go and go in there and we, we, we put it up to the wall and she says, I says, is this right? And what does she do? She steps back and goes a little to the right, a little to the left, okay? Or it's not level, so I get my level out and I make sure. And usually what happens in our family is I'll sit there, hold it, and she goes, I can't see because you're in the way, so I got to do 
how's that look, you know, and one of those weird things, and, and, uh, and she says, oh, that's good, and so finally we put, it, we put it together. See, because the problem is, and sometimes we need the help of someone else to get a better perspective. If I was to go up and go, yeah, I can do this, and I put it on the wall, you know what, it's going to be crooked, it's not going to be centered, and my wife's going to come in and say, that's in the wrong place, can you please move it? And I say, yes, dear, I will. Okay? But, uh, because sin, at its core, is deception. And we lie to ourselves often about our own sin. And so, sometimes we need someone else to step back and say, uh, here's the problem. And so Paul here calls on the fellowship of the church. If you look in verse 2, see, we, we, like to, we like to kind of pull verse 2 out of this. But here in verse 2, if you take it in context, what he's saying is there is we need to bear one another's burdens when it comes to being ensnared by, by the devil. We need to bear each other's burdens. You know, those phrases are, uh, the phrase there, bear one another's burdens, is a phrase, it's a fellowship word, and oftentimes we see in Scripture one another, and those are often fellowship words, but here, this particular time, it's, it's in the idea of helping to prevent your brother or sister from falling into sin. We need to bear one another's burdens, so it's a call to, to accountability. It's a call to accountability, and we talked about accountability on Vision Sunday, and that's as growing as a church, that's, we need to be accountable to each other. You know, the first thing, two things that I want to make note of tonight before we go into our meetings, and the first one is Christians are called to ritually invest in each other's lives, even in the messiness of sin. We're called to ritually invest in each other's lives, even in the messiness of sin. It's more than simply a casual relationship. We should have in our church relationships that deal with the messiness of sin with each other. But that's hard. In America culture, it's really hard. Why? Because we have, we've been taught in our American culture, the, we're ingrained with this idea of individualism and privacy. You know, I'm, I'm amazed, and, and, uh, and Tim Fink's here. He can attest to this. You go on some mission fields, and there is no such thing as privacy. Right? <laughs> there, there, there isn't. Uh, and, but our culture, our American culture, has created this idea of individualism where we believe, uh, first of all, what, what we're going through is our business and no one else's business. What we feel is that we can accomplish anything on our own individually if we work hard enough. And we have the right to privacy and no one can bother us. But here, what Paul is saying to the church is, brother, if you look out and you see one of your brothers or sisters who have been, uh, have been overcome by sin, you uh, who are spiritual, and we'll talk about that in a minute, need to restore them. And what does that require? That requires an accountability. That requires us going. And, and I know, uh, I, part of my job is, is confrontation. You know, sitting across from someone and saying, you know, this is, this is what you're doing and this is why it's not right. And, and you know, my wife will tell you, that's some of the hardest things I have to do when, when you have to do that because it's hard, but it's, it's necessary. We talk about sin, we come to the conclusion that it's, it's my life and it's between me and God and no one else should really have to know about it. But when we read the words of Paul in this passage, we see differently. He says, again, if anyone is caught 
in a transgression, you who are spiritual, restore him. If, you're, if he's caught. Paul does not say to the person who is caught in sin, it's between you and God, keep everyone else out. He says, restore him. Instead, Paul suggests that it should be the one who is walking or living by the Spirit. And that idea there, he says, the, the you who are spiritual, sometimes we have this, this opinion that here it is. Okay, well, okay, I'm not spiritual enough. So i got to back off. And really what that phrase means is those who are attempting to walk by the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, remember, Galatians, if you look in your Bible, Galatians chapter 5, you're there, look at verse 22. That is where he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Paul had just told them, and you read on, he says, all those who, uh, verse 24, all those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's also walk by the Spirit. Let's not be conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Interesting that those one another phrases are there. And then from there he says, okay, here's what it means to walk in the Spirit. It means to have love, joy, peace, all of these. And he says, okay, now you walk in the Spirit. If you are walking in the Spirit, then you see someone who's not walking in the Spirit. It is, it is your responsibility to gently provoke them to do the right thing. To gently lead them in the right direction. We bear one another's burdens because in doing so, what does it say happens? Look again at Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Okay, what is the law of Christ? Take your Bibles, it's a familiar passage, but look at Mark, if you will. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter, excuse me, chapter 12. Mark chapter 12 and look at verse 30. He says that there Jesus was being asked about the greatest commandment. And look what Jesus says. Let's start in verse 29. Jesus answered, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So what does it mean when it says there, bear one another's burdens, and when you do that, you're fulfilling the law of Christ. It, it, the Gospel here of Mark is saying Jesus is having a discussion with these leaders, and he's saying this, he's saying the greatest commandment you could do is this, love God, love others. So the second part of this is a mutual accountability, is mutual accountability is an effective way to fulfill the law of Christ. Love God, love others. You know, someone uh, talking to someone else about their sin is a must when you want to love others. But it's also a must to be motivated by love. I can't just go to someone and say, you know, you're, you're horrible. I can't believe you do this. I have to do it in love. Accountability with love for people, but not with love for God, ends up with unwise counsel. There's a lot of that that happens. You know, you love, you, you know, there's someone who comes and they're, they're they're hurting about something and you share with them uh, and you, you love them dearly, but it's not filtered through the law of God. You, what you do is you give them unwise counsel and, and typically that's why we have self-help therapy in this world. 
Let's just make them feel good. I love them. I want them to feel good. And that's okay, but that means you're okay with your sin. On the other hand, accountability with a love for God but not for people ends up oftentimes self-righteous, judgmental, condemning other people. And I think that was the problem with, with the Pharisees. They, they said they loved God, but they could really care less about the people around them. And they were, they, they were wrong. And both of these ideas are, are a problem. That's why Paul says next, if you look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 3, the next thing he says is, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself says, okay, you, you are supposed to help each other, and when you help each other, you're fulfilling the law of Christ, which is love God, love others. But watch out, because if you think you're doing it because you're better, you're deceiving yourself. And that's kind of a, that, that checks the, the ego at the door, doesn't it? That it's not about, you know, I'm better than you. It's about uh, understanding that uh, we have this relationship where I, I must keep you accountable and I hope you'll do the same for me. My prayer is that if, if I'm struggling, you'll keep me accountable as well. You know, I have, <laughs> I, I say this and you know, I don't want all of you to come and tell me, but I have no problem with people coming and telling me my faults. And if I get to the place where I have a problem with it, okay, then I have a bigger problem. I really do. Now, I don't want you to go and tell my wife my faults because she already knows them. <laughs> Come and tell me my faults, okay? Because, because that is what this passage is saying. If you see someone caught in a sin, let them know. With love and compassion. So how do we do accountability? Three things quickly and then we'll, we'll, we'll close. Number one, accountability must be done gently. It must be done gently. There cannot be a harshness in accountability. There has to be a love and a tenderness. The second thing, accountability must be smothered in love for God and love for others. It is because I love God that I need to talk to you. It's because I love God that I need to let you know this. And then finally, accountability must be done carefully lest we fall into sin or, or pride ourselves. And that's, that's the trick. You know, it's not, oh, you know what, I've, I've, I've accomplished what you haven't, so let me tell you what, where you've failed. No, it's, it's, let me tell you an observation. Let me, let me tell you because I, I love you and I love God. And I want to help you through this. And we as believers, maybe, you know, there are times when the check engine light comes on and we're just not sure why. We're not sure. And that's when we, uh, we need to help others through that process. And we, we need to be able to be that mechanic that says, you know, hooks it up to the machine and says, here's what it is. And what's the machine? The machine is the Word of God. It shows us our faults. And challenge you to think about that. Are, are you keeping each other accountable? And, and are you doing it in a loving way? Now, there's a lot of people that are out there that are willing to point out everyone's faults, but man, it's done with arrogancy, it's done with a lack of love, and it's just, and what it becomes is they're, they're festering their own problems and their own sin in their life. But are we being accountable mutually 
to show love and to fulfill the law of Christ. Let's have a word of prayer.